The scripture reading today is from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 to 38 and 46 to 49. It will be found on page 855 and 856 in your pew Bible. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to God, from God to a city in Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give, give to him the throne of David his father. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. Now verses 46 to 49. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. This is the very word of God. Now, second reading from the letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, page 980 in your pew Bible. This is Christ's example of humility. So, If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, 
who, though he was in the very form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the very word of God. The bottom of your um, of your order of worship is our memory verse printed for you. Would you turn there with me and let's just say that memory verse together. Um, Philippians 2, 5 and 6, would you join me? Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. The very word of God. Mm. Wow, what a what a, a privilege to be able to um, to glorify God in our lives, right? Um, we talked before about uh, that that realization that comes when you realize that God loves you so much that that He gave His only begotten Son, and more on that to come in your place, so that you might have a relationship with Him. And I'm still astounded that God would do that for me. And I, I'm guessing that you are, when you think about it, are a little bit in that same place, that God would love you as you are so much that He would give the only one who, who actually was physically, um, both completely God and completely man, Jesus, and and offer Him in your place. It's it's astounding. But the question comes when we begin to wrap our brains around that is, what does that mean for me as I live here? I know that, that um, my calling in, in God, because of this gift I've received, is to love God with all my heart and all my soul, all my mind, all my strength, right? But I know also it's to love others. We've, we've lived in those passages over the last six months. But what is, what is the attitude what is the, the attitude that will help us um, not, not just live in light of that love and not, not just have a desire to reach other people, but, but that would allow us to enter other people's lives in such a way that they can receive this love of God? We said last week that the invitation of God is, is the attitude of humility. And I love that. I'm afraid I'm not going to come back to it later, so I want to say it right now. I love that in our memory verse where he says, have this, this mind in yourselves which is yours already in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? And he's talking about humility. Humility is already yours in Christ Jesus. All you have to do is just recognize where you are in relationship to him. When you understand the magnitude of God's glory, then, then humility is a natural response. And if humility is a natural response, then, then that gives other people who encounter you hope, right? They, wow, wow, if God can touch 
Chad's life in the way that he did, if, if God can touch Carol's life in the way that he has, maybe he can, he can touch my life in that way too. God is in the business of touching lives. Amen? Is he? Yeah. Um, and, and what an amazing example. I have a fear anytime I come to a very familiar passage of Scripture that we just kind of click off because, because it's so familiar. Um, God, give us ears to hear it again as if for the first time, would you? God, God reveals the story of, I, I'm sorry, I'm stumbling over that word, the story of a 14 or 15 year old girl and, 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 and invites us to discover our story as a result. Yesterday, a couple of people at the next conference shared in one minute their story in one minute. And it was astounding to see what God would do just through their story expressed in one minute. Amen. It was amazing. All of a sudden I felt, I felt maybe God can touch my life like he touched Tom's. Maybe God can touch my life like he touched Sean Elise, right? There's this little 14 or 15 year old girl and we were reflecting an hour ago in, in, in the Sunday school class. We were reflecting about how the circumstances of her life might have been. Now, she lived in one of the poorest little villages in all of Nazareth, one of the, the least respected uh, regions of Israel at the time of Christ, right? So much so that, that, that people would say, can anything good come out of Nazareth, right? You know, um, she, she lived in, in this poor little village. And, and I don't know um, the backstory on it. I do know that in that day when, when, you were, um, when you were naming your children, you often named your children depending on the circumstances that you were in. Now, just as disclaimer, we don't do that in our culture, so don't read into this and, um, in our culture. But in that culture... You often named your children um, uh, based on what you were experiencing at the time. So, so one woman uh, uh, living a very blessed life, her parents named her Sweetness, right? He named her Sweetness. And, and it was just a reflection on where she was at, at the moment of her birth, where their parents were at the moment of her birth. But this one, this one... The mother named her Bitter. Great name for a child, right? Bitter, time for dinner, right? It just doesn't, it doesn't roll. But can you start to feel a little bit about maybe where Mary's mother was at that time? Maybe life hadn't gone the way that, that she had hoped it would. Maybe, um, maybe she had had disappointments from other people. Maybe, maybe she had had disappointments from God, right? Maybe, maybe she had just disappointed herself. And, and all she could foresee for the life of her daughter was, was bitterness, right? And so she named, named her bitter. And, and, and again, she lived in a very poor village. I've been in this village. At the time that she lived in it, there was one well, one little well that everybody had to share and, and they kind of eked out a living and, and in that culture, if you were a young woman, then your whole life depended on 
finding that spouse that would be able to provide for you. And God forbid that that spouse should die before you did, because if your husband died before you did and you were a woman, you lost all your status. You lost all your inheritance. Everything was tied to the husband, right? And so we still see reflections of some of that, even in our culture to this day, though most of the other factors have gone away from that. But, but in Mary's time, uh, it was totally dependent on who she was related to, who she married. And so look what's happening. Mary is betrothed. Mary is, is, has a, a, a husband who's not a, a furniture builder like he's often reflected. Even today in the city of Nazareth, they have a little carpenter shop where they have furniture pieces on the... That just is something that we kind of put on that. The word was tecton. He was a builder, uh, probably a stonemason, and he passed that on to his famous son later, who for 30 years was also this builder. He wasn't kind of skinny and, and pasty. He was, he was a, um, a man's man, a builder, uh, and wow, what a secure future that was to, to be betrothed to Joseph, who was a builder. And guess what? The, the Romans had just started building this city four miles from Naz. I mean, that's, that's just amazing. It's like Toyota putting a plant in just north of Evansville, right? That's going to provide six or 7,000 jobs for Evansville. I remember that day and I rejoiced, right, as Whirlpool was beginning to, to break apart and other other um, employers here were beginning to let go. We're so grateful that Toyota came in. And, it, and, and, and now, just four miles away, in a little uh, brand new town, they're just creating it on a hill. They're creating a city on a hill within sight of Nazareth. And, and uh, Joseph, this tecton, very likely has 20 or 30 years of work in front of him, right? God willing, and, and his body can hold up. He's got 20 or 30 years of work. Her future is secure. She knows who she's going to spend the rest of her life with, right? And, and, and he has a great job, and it looks bright. And, and so, wow, for a poor little girl in a tiny little town, maybe I'm breaking out of this bitter thing, right? And then a man shows up in a room. Probably, I say her room, <laughs> I'm speaking from American culture, aren't I? They probably all had one room in that thing, and they probably shared it with animals, right, in the winter. But God shows up in the form of an archangel, Gabriel, and, and speaks to her. Now, I, I, words escape me. Uh, I'm not, um, uh, unlike many in our congregation, I'm not a gun-toter, but I got a good blade about that long uh, tucked into my mattress and next to my thing, you know. As a man shows up in my, my room in the middle of the night, um, he better talk fast, right? He better talk fast. Um, I, I tell my son, don't you ever surprise me in the middle of the night. Don't come in there, right? Um, I, I can't imagine what it was like for her. But, but honestly, this is an angel, and don't picture wings and all kinds of stuff. He looked like a man, but my guess is this is an angel who had been speaking with God. This is an archangel. My, my suspicion is, I don't know angelology here, but that he looked the part. And, and she was in awe of this man, and he says, Greetings, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Did you hear it when, when 
Tom was reading the story, she wondered, what kind of greeting is this? Did you see the two words that were associated there? She was troubled. She was troubled. And, and, and then when the angel responds, you learn that she was not only troubled, she was frightened. And I would be frightened to death that she was frightened by his appearance. And, and the angel said, you are going to bear the king. Did you see the description of this child that she was going to bear? Let me read it for you again because it is absolutely astounding. I mean, it would be astounding for um, a virgin to be told that she's going to bear a child, period, right? And we'll go into that in a second. But, but listen to this description of this child that she's going to bear. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. That's code language for Son of God. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of David, which has been vacant, right? For almost 600 years. The Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David, his great, 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 great grandfather. And he will reign over the people of Israel, the house of Jacob, forever. Your son, I mean, this is just mind-blowing stuff, right? Your son is going to reign over the people of God forever and of his kingdom there will be no end if she was troubled and afraid when the angel showed up now she's just absolutely blasted out of the water but one thing one problem is nagging at her how can this be how can this be i'm a virgin the literal word there is i have not known a man and if i could just take a 30-second excursus here for a second. Remember, we've talked extensively that knowledge in the Bible is not intellectual assent. Remember the whole reversal of the whole wisdom, understanding, knowledge thing? God gives wisdom. We, we seek to understand the wisdom that He freely gives. And when that understanding comes of the wisdom that He's gave, given us, then we have intimate relationship with God. And she says, how can, how can this be? I've not known, I've not had intimate relationship with a man. How can this possibly be? And, and, and his astounding description of how Jesus can be fully God and fully man at the same time, the angel explains the Holy Spirit. For the one time in human history uh, that this ever occurred, God became the Father, the Holy Spirit overshadowed her, and Mary, this 14 or 15 year old, became the mother and, and this unique, only begotten Son of God is going to be created in you, Mary. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Remember what we started with today? We said, how, how do we live in the world in such a way that people see God, rather than seeing us. Love is critical. If people don't sense that you, how does it go? If they don't sense that you care about them, they don't care about what you know, right? Um, Love is critical, but here is this gift of God in a person. I appreciate that. Thank you, God. We're going to see it again in Jesus, but but here's this gift of God uh, of of humility in the face of astounding truth that, that she doesn't completely understand, but that she's willing to embrace.
It looked impossible. It looked impossible, right? And, and Gabriel says, nothing, Mary, is impossible for God. Nothing. Now go there with me for a second. Just had a wave wash over me of individual people in our congregations when we've looked at this passage before that were willing to open their heart and, and say, yeah, i got a couple of impossibilities in front of me, God. Could this be true? Could this be true of me like it was of Mary? Is it, is it true, God, that nothing's impossible for you? Do I, do I risk letting that impossibility that I spent so much time pushing below the surface, so much time burying so that, so that maybe people wouldn't know my impossibilities, so much time suppressing so that I would, I would hope that it wouldn't affect me. Is it possible that I can risk letting that come to the surface? And honestly coming before him and saying, I have no idea, God, how you're going to do this for me. But I'm willing. This is a 14 or 15 year old girl. But maybe I need to humble myself and realize that I can learn a lot of things. A lot of things from a 14 or 15 year old girl. And one of them is even when I don't completely understand the circumstances that, that I find myself in, that, that maybe, just maybe, God has brought me there to reveal His glory. And His glory is farther and greater than I could ever imagine. But maybe, just maybe, God wants to do that miracle. God wants to overcome that impossibility in, in my life. Hail, highly favored ones. You are favored of God. And the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And nothing is impossible for Him. Nothing. Mary, thank you. I think I, there's a sweet thing. The woman I was referring to earlier was Naomi, right? Uh, in, in, um, in the Old Testament, Naomi uh, loses her sons, loses her whole position. Her, she has daughters-in-law that she can't provide for. Uh, yeah, her mom was in a, a situation of sweetness when she named her, but, but life isn't so sweet right now. Don't call me Naomi, she said. Don't call me Naomi. Call me, guess what? Guess what? Mary or Mara, or bitter, because my life has turned bitter, and God did something pretty special in Naomi's life. Amen? Through Ruth, <laughs> the name of the book was just escaping me, and uh, through Ruth, oh yeah, Ruth, through Ruth, and her faithfulness, her humility, and loving her mother-in-law, um, she became the the great-great-grandmother of David, of whose kingdom now Mary is told her son is going to forever fulfill. Yeah. God took Naomi and made her Mary and then made her Naomi again. What can he do with you? What can he do with you? 
Now, this is a story of a 15 or 16-year-old, but, but our Philippian passage was Paul, the Apostle Paul, reflecting back on the life of Jesus. Did you hear those words? He asked a couple of rhetorical questions at the beginning. Is there any encouragement in Christ? Is there any? Right? The obvious answer is yes, there is. Is there, is there any comfort from His love? Is there? Yes. There is, is there any fellowship and communion that happens and the Holy Spirit lives in us? Yeah, there is. Is there any affection? And, and yeah, yeah. Then be of the same mind, right? Have the same attitude. What is that attitude? Is the, the direction your nose is pointing, right? What is the direction your nose is pointing? It, it is the attitude of humility. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, though was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God. He was fully God and did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, right? But instead emptied himself. He was fully God, but he chose to live as fully human. Why? So you and I can have an advocate. So you and I can have someone go before us and live the life that we can't live and offer himself in our place. In humility, Christ offered himself for you. Now, what is it that's going to set you free from the impossibilities in your life? It's the simple gift of humility. Saying, God, I can't do this. I need you. And then in humility, because, like, how did they put it this weekend? Like a beggar finding food, right? Then in humility, you say, I don't know your impossibility, but I got a great God who met me in mine. And maybe, could he maybe meet you in yours as well? Jesus offered himself. We'll look at them in the coming weeks at four different levels, ultimately ultimately going to the cross for you and I. And he invites us to remember that, that, that he went all the way to the cross for you. And we remember that in this sacrament of communion, that in the blood he gave his life. The life is the blood, the author of Hebrews says. And, and he gave his blood and his life for us. He offered his body in our place. Do you have the humility to say, I can't do this on my own? Do you have the humility to say, God, I need you? Maybe because of the circumstances you're in, but even if you are in a place of sweetness right now, to recognize that God has so much more for you than you could ever imagine. Oh, I invite you. Come to the table of the Lord. Come commune with the one who longs, so longs, to commune with you. Take him in yourself, in this mystery of the sacrament. Partake of him to symbolize that through faith he is in you, like these elements will be in you. Uh, receive him. In the, in the language of Christmas, let him be born in you. Say to him what Mary said to the angel, Behold, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to what you have said. May Christ be born in me. We're in the exact same place that she is. Each of us has to come to that place where we say, May it be done to me. And as our, our small group said this morning, yeah, he, Jesus himself had to say that, right? 
of God, if there's any way, let this cup, not the cup of redemption that we'll partake of, but the cup of God's wrath, let this cup pass from my lips. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. May it be done to me, God the Father, according to what you've said. So I want to invite you. um, This can be the best Christmas season of your life. I know your hair's on fire, your back's to the wall, you got so many things to do this Christmas. Nothing is more important. Nothing is more important than allowing God to do His work in you this Christmas. And by the way, if you're able to do that, all those other things, they don't go away. They, they just have, are infused with new meaning. All those other busy little things having to do with Christmas are infused with the real meaning of Christmas. It's hard. It's hard to hope in a dark world. I'm looking at the little candle burning over there and it looks so lonely by itself, doesn't it? And there's, there's hope. There's so many more candles to come, but right now, there's just the one. It's hard. It's hard to hope in the midst of darkness. But maybe, just maybe, you will be that light which brings hope to someone else this Christmas. Maybe, just maybe, uh, you will be the one who turns life from bitterness to sweetness in our day and age. Pray with me, would you? Worship team, please come forward. God, thank you so much for Mary. Um, God, she didn't understand, like we don't understand, the power of a life fully surrendered to you. And and even as you had her whole, she had her whole life all arranged, and it looked secure for two or three decades to come. God, you shook her world. You took away all her her earthly security. God, the, the best outcome would be she would be divorced. The worst one would be she would be stoned to death. But, but, but you took away her earthly security and granted her something much greater. Thank you, God, for her humility. Without completely understanding, without even a chance to process it, to be able to say, I'm, I want my soul to magnify the Lord. I want His name to be exalted in me. May it be done. May it be done to me according to your word. Father, I thank you. Mm. I don't want to be flippant, God. But I thank you for the impossibilities in my life. Because you brought me to the end of my resources and are asking me to trust you for yours. And I pray for my sisters and brothers who might be in a similar situation. God, where they've come to the end of their possibilities and and God, you're asking them to trust in you for spectacular possibilities. Meet us in this sacrament, this sacred moment, would you? Take this simple bread and this simple juice and make them the sacrament, the presence of, of the Lord Jesus. And may He fill us even as we partake of these elements anew. May He grant us not just, not just the truths of, of His coming, but also may He grant us also that humility. That this Christmas we might be the presence of Jesus in the lives of the people around us. Begin now.
Father, I pray if there's anything in our hearts right now that's keeping us from receiving this grace. If we're happy, we're struggling to believe that we're highly favored because we are aware of brokenness in our whole lives. Thank you that, that, that Jesus' blood is sufficient for that. God, we plead the blood of Jesus. Cleanse us of our unrighteousness and allow us to lift our faces and gaze on your beauty and receive the gift of this sacrament. And God, we'll give you the praise. We'll give you the glory in Christ's name. Amen. Will our elders come forward? On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, take, eat, this is my body given for you. That very night when when he would have to say, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus offered himself to us. Do this in remembrance of him. After that meal, that Passover meal, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Right now, if you're willing, I will covenant with you to be your Lord, to be your Savior, to be in you forever. Remember, his kingdom shall never end to be your Lord forever. Do this in remembrance of me, he said. And that affirmation of Paul that whenever you do this, Whenever you do it, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is the Lord's table. It's not Olivet's table. Any who have come to that place, even if you have just done that today, are welcome at the table of the Lord. Again, I invite you to to partake of the bread when you are ready and to hold the cup.